These guys are all retired. <laughs> They're on the Canada roster. Getting the band back together, boys. I'm so out of my element, Josh. I always read the questions. <laughs> Mark Bowman's picture on Twitter at MLB Bowman looks as if his chin has completely just just been absorbed by his neck. But that's not why he gets a do-over. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 257 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we are discovering the other countries in our heritage that we might root for after Team Canada is eliminated in the World Baseball Classic. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski. Is, is is Poland playing? I don't I don't think Poland made the anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I am joined by Joshua Hausam, uh the uh the ethno-European, possibly, maybe. I don't know. What 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 heritage would you claim were you to not claim Canadian? Oh geez. Um well my dad was born in the States, but he basically is he's like fully Canadian. Uh, I guess there's some British. There's, you know, there's no Irish baseball team. Oh, I guess I could do the Israel thing because like, my mom's side of the family is Jewish. I would have been eligible to, to play for Team Israel. Well, there's a thought I'm going to hold in my mind for like the whole rest of the podcast is is you. <laughs> team Israel's good. Shalom. <laughs> um, yeah, I just. Basically, anyone who is Jewish is on Team yeah. Israel, regardless of where that comes from. I feel like that's an unfair competitive advantage, uh, but I am not going to stand in the way of uh, of international competition. I believe that, you know, we foster that that whole environment of uh, of good hearted, um, you know, spreading baseball about the world, which I don't think the World Baseball Classic does particularly well. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the Bobachet extension. Three years, baby. Uh, the Chad Green signing. Half a year, baby. Well, more than half a year, but we got to wait a half a year to see what that's about. Uh, of course, all of the World Baseball Classic rosters have been announced. We could discuss the alternate strategy of uh, cheering for someone who you like on, on a country. We have a couple of questions from you guys coming from unusual spots. Normally, we get our questions from Twitter, Twitter and I believe... People have abandoned Twitter in droves, just quietly. Uh, the only people left on there are sports reporters. And uh, and that's, I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. We have a gold star and a do-over. Um, simple things, really. The simple things in life make us happy. So we begin. It's a simple thing to sign Bobachet to a three-year extension. A <laughs> contract. Contract, I guess. Is it an extension or is it a contract? Well... I guess technically it's a contract because he had no contract. Right. He was on uh, single year deals. Oh, well, he didn't even have a single year deal. He was, he had an arbitration hearing scheduled for today, actually. Oh, no, yesterday. We're recording this on Friday. Uh, the day the deal was announced. And the, the Blue Jays are what they call a file and trial team, which means that once figures are exchanged, they will not agree on a one year deal. They'll go to a hearing rather than settle at the midpoint. The idea behind that is essentially to force people to negotiate in good faith. Because a lot of times what you see happening with teams that didn't do that was that the the players would file at some ridiculous number hoping to settle at the midpoint. Right. And now that's been their policy the for, for ages. Like even I even during the Alex Anthopoulos era, I remember that being a thing that was mentioned, and possibly before that. Yeah, well, and, and now I, I think it's 80% of the teams do it, or it's some very high number. Just basically just try to tighten up the whole arbitration system. 
so anyway, but what they will do is negotiate a longer term deal. They did it last year with Matt Chapman. And then they did it this year with, uh, with uh, Bo Bichette. And they bought out all three of his arbitration years. So obviously the words cost certainty, I bet, have been bandied around by management. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I haven't. It's been bandied around by everybody, <laughs> anyway, everyone talking about this deal. And I guess what we should say what the deal actually worked out to be. He gets – well, it's, there's a signing bonus involved, but I'll just throw that into this year because it makes more sense. He gets about $6 million this year, $6.1 million, $11 million next year, and $16.5 million in the, in the third year of arbitration. He was looking at either five or seven point five in the hearing for this year. And if he continues being the Bo Bichette that he has been, I think those are actually basically the 50th percentile outcomes or what you'd expect him to get in arbitration. I think it is. Uh, it's a deal that makes a lot of sense because this is the, the second year where the Jays and, and Bo have been far apart in arbitration. Um, this well, year it was he... an arbitration last year, but. Yes, uh, this and they were the furthest apart. I read the, of any any um, player and team as far as raw dollar amount this off season, like thirty something players who filed for arbitration. Yeah, tied with Tucker in Houston. So if you're if you're having this problem, you know, agreeing with things, why do it every year? <laughs> have have potentially animosity uh build up or have you know every time you go through the arbitration process there's a chance that someone sours on it um i think like i don't i don't think anybody ever feels better for going through arbitration because it's not a it's not kind to the player right the, the team has to not not bump up the player statistics or not flatter them in any way in order to try and make their case and who likes to hear that really yeah, I, I don't think anybody, and Atkins basically said this, he was talking about how it's not something you want to be doing if you don't have to, it's just, it's a tool and you do have to use it sometimes, but it's always better not to. You don't want to go into a, a, a situation where you're saying your player is not worth a certain amount of money because obviously the player, and it has happened, could get hurt by that. Uh, also, you know, trying to trade the player afterwards once in a while might be kind of weird. Uh <laughs> <laughs> we really love this guy. We actually hate this guy. Uh, do you want this guy? He's yeah. Um, the the weird part for me is we know Bobochet has all star level talent. Can't argue about that. Been an all star, but last year was so strange where he spent basically five months of the season as a league average hitter, maybe a little bit worse, and then absolutely set the world on fire in the final month. Yeah, I mean, I don't tend to put too much stock into things like that, <clears throat> especially in a year where no one had a proper spring training or a proper offseason because the players were locked out. <laughs> but <clears throat> in the end, Bobichet's numbers were exactly what they'd been the last two years, given the league context, right? Because you know, mm -hmm. the league offense was down last year with the new baseball. A little teaser for something we're going to get to later. <laughs> <clears throat> the interesting thing about this deal as well is that there are escalators in the contract which when I first heard that, I thought, well, that kind of takes the upside for the Blue Jays out of making a deal at all. 
But the escalators only kick in if Bobachet finishes in the top five of MVP voting. And for the high escalators, she's got to either win it or finish second or third. So if he wins, if he were to win in the MVP award or finish second or third, his arbitration salaries would still increase beyond what the escalators are. So the Jays have actually covered themselves quite nicely, even if he takes a massive step forward, but also lets him still benefit from doing so. Yeah, it's a weird thing to hear, but it also makes sense because, you know, one of the things I believe you can bring into an arbitration hearing is postseason or like season awards, personal awards, yep. right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which you no doubt would if you finished third in MVP voting. <laughs> right. And that's why uh, Vlad ended up with a first year arbitration salary over $7 million because he finished second in the MVP voting the year before. And he was even a super two. So like he really, to get that level as your first year, you have to do something special. And he did. But if Bobachette stays, you know, he's gotten MVP votes down ballot in the last couple of seasons. He finished 12th uh, in 2021 and 11th last year. If Bichette stays that guy, then it's a good value deal for both of them. They both pretty much end up where they should have been. And and if he and if he, and he takes a little bit of a step forward or a big one, the Jays benefit a bit more than Bo, which is fair because they're taking on the risk of guaranteeing this pretty reasonable salary. So in theory, everybody's happy, uh, and the chances of Bo Bichette being the Blue Jays' shortstop in the medium term now are very very high. Yeah, it's interesting to know given this context, that the Jays went after Corey Seager and Francisco Lindor last year and Xander Bogarts this year. Scott Bora said the Jays were one of the main contenders for Bogarts, <laughs> which no one reported until Bogart, until Boras just said it out loud. I don't know <laughs> why he did that. But obviously there was some question in Toronto about the future of Bo Bichette. And I don't think those questions have even been answered by this deal because it does not buy out any of his free agent years. And it's guaranteeing money. So there's no, so now the risk reward balance changes completely because he's guaranteed $33 million. Yeah. Um, and it's, is, is going to be on track for free agency exactly when he was uh, previously. Like you said, I think this does do a good job of covering the Jays and Hey, we'll come back to cost certainty during what is sure to be this generation of players' competitive window. I don't really like framing it that way because this generation of players' competitive window should be more than three years. But you, 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 could, roster, you could argue that they've been competitive for two years already. But I meant more than three more years. Because if you look at the roster, you've got Gaussman for four more years. You've got Manoa for five more years. You've got Kirk for five more years. You've got, or maybe it's four more for Kirk. You have, uh, you have Springer for four more years. You, you have Rios for five more years. There's a lot of guys that are here going Sorry, forward. Did, did Springer sign a five-year deal or a six-year six deal? Six-year deal. Six-year deal. Okay. Why did I think? It was, oh yeah. Five, five, 150, 25 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you look at that situation and and Varsho, four more years, right? So the window extends past the free agencies of Vlad and Bo with players who are key parts of the roster. So I still think 
they have to keep at least one of those guys because you can't turn the roster over then because there's still guys locked into big contracts and in, in major key roles past that. But at the same time, if Bo doesn't want to do it, he doesn't want to do it. And he's got the financial backing from his the way he's grown up with his father being a major leaguer to be able to take on more risk. And now that he signed this, he can just wait. Indeed. There is one more thing before we just before we jump off this contract that I think is is interesting about this deal. By doing this contract, the Jays did avoid the nastiness of an arbitration hearing. But they also have raised their luxury tax penalty because it's an average. And instead of being I think the Jays probably would have won uh, just because Bobichet was asking for something that was a little ahistoric. <laughs> and Arbitration is entirely based on comps. So I think he probably would have lost, which is why also he was probably willing to do this. But the Jays' uh, tax hit for Bo Bichette went from $5 million to $11.2 million. I think it's just sort of a sign that Jays don't care too much about the tax right now. As long as they don't get to the stupid penalties, which is like the they just need to spend another $20-plus million, they're just not worried about it, which is nice. Yeah, a lot has changed about that tax threshold in the last two years about about teams concerned for it and their payrolls which is this year especially but it, i you know i'll give i'll give credit to steve cohen whether it, it is legitimately due to him or not uh chad green a name i used to hate that i guess i should fall in love with sooner rather than later i, I you hope you do you hope you hope he earns that yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> So yeah, Chad Green, I'm sure most Jays fans will be aware, but in case they're not, he's been with the Yankees since 2016, and he's been a very effective reliever over that time. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's been elite, um, but he does bring a lot of strikeouts, and he throws strikes. He does, you know, he can get hit hard when he does, but he's got a career ERA of 317. So it's not, his getting hit hard is not Julian Merriweather. <laughs> you slander the man again. Um, <laughs> accurately, yeah. but nevertheless, um, yeah, I, I, I always find it interesting, uh, when guys get signed who are currently rehabbing from a major injury. Um, sure. You know, that, that obviously he's, he's there to fill a back, a back fillable pen that may need people or that, you know, he may be better than when he returns some of the people who are in the bullpen come, you know, June, July. But it it's major league money, and it's multiple years for a guy who currently I, you know, can't throw a baseball off a mound. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll get to the contract in a second. I want to discuss this part first. One of the things that's a little better about this version of doing this than we've seen with some other teams, like the ones who gave Ken Giles a two-year contract after he had his Tommy John. Chad Green is now, but when the Jays agreed to this deal with Green, he was seven months into his rehab. So they at least had some sense of how the rehab was going. And they can they can maybe more confidently predict when they think he'll be able to help them. Um, obviously, you can't do it exactly because he's not pitching yet. <laughs> and then things can go wrong once the <laughs> yeah. guy gets back on the mound. But he is a reliever. So the buildup is less extensive. So, like Chad Green should be back before Hyunjin Ryu, for example. Because mm -hmm. he doesn't need to build up to throw five, six innings. He needs to build up to throw one. And it's also 
if you look at the way the G, the Jays have had to operate the last couple of years, they have their bullpen, and then inevitably two or three guys either stink or get injured. That's just normal, right? And it's just been worse for the Blue Jays because they have riskier bullpens. And then they have to go out and trade for someone. You know, it was Simber and Richards in 2021, and last year it was Bass and Pop. By doing it this way, they have the depth that they start the season with. Pop might be in the minors. Same with Nate Pearson. And then they've got another reinforcement of a high-level arm coming around the deadline that they can then supplement with smaller trades as opposed to having to get everyone at once. Yeah, I, the, uh, the, the lack of leverage you can have around that deadline time is a common complaint from Blue Jays fans, right? Like, well... A bunch of people moved around and we didn't get the best guy and we didn't get the second best guy because, you know, we didn't have the pieces at the time. If you can mitigate that now, go for it. Yeah. I, I, like if you'd asked Blue Jays fans last year, would they have been expecting Jordan Groshans to be traded for two middle relievers? I think they would have been really upset by that. <laughs> Turns out I think it was actually a pretty good trade for the Blue Jays. But it's just a, a higher price than you would expect to pay for something like that. Exactly. And yeah, so now they may not have to do that because Green, if he is healthy, has is a very, very effective reliever. His velocity dipped a bit last year, but then he had surgery. That's pretty common before you need surgery. Yeah, I, that's it's it's a red flag. Then we'll see where it is now. Often guys come back uh, with no problems with velo uh, velocity from Tommy John. The problem sometimes is the control. Um so you do still have that uncertainty of coming back, but the Blue Jays seem, like you said, having seen some of the rehab, they're confident enough to give them a multi-year deal. Yeah, and just, again, just before we quickly get into that, because it's a crazy deal, so we should devote time to it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying, but you keep holding back. So you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I just want to get into the bullpen a bit, because when they signed Green, that meant they had a DFA Matt Gage which means that Tim Meza is the only left-handed reliever currently in the Blue Jays' bullpen. I think they probably need to get one more. Uh, so they trust Richards to get left-handed batters out with his changeup, and Swanson probably has the same effect with his splitter. But you still probably want one more tough lefty, especially with Meza, who does spotty, has spotty injury histories of his own. You have someone in mind? Well, no, I mean, I'd love them to get Zach Britton or Will Smith or any of these guys, but I, I don't know if they'll do that. Just someone, even if it's a depth guy, someone who can be a lefty who could help. And we, you're talking about a major league deal, though. So then you go back into uh, into forty man roster time. Yeah. Well, I was going to make this my final thought, but I'll I'll do it now. Right. Who cares? So because pitchers and catchers are reporting this coming week. They can put players on the 60-day IL right away. So that means Ryu and Green can both go on that 60-day IL, which would open up two spots on the 40-man. Look at you doing doing the whole front office side of things for the Blue Jays. They should tune in. <laughs> okay, now we can get into the zany contract. It's, <laughs> I've never seen one like it for a short term, at least. The first two years uh, make, make sense, don't they? It's only well, one year to start. Okay, it's one year. <laughs> For three point, sorry, two point two five, two point two five million. Well, that's that's easy. So, so where does yeah. it get silly? 
Well, then it's immediately after that. So <laughs> at, at the end of the season, the Blue Jays have an option on Chad Green for three years and $27 million. If they take that, he gets the entire three years. They can't pick it up one year at a time. If they decline that option, Green then gets a $6.25 million player option for one year. So basically in 2024, he'd get $6.25 million and then become a free agent. If he declines that, <laughs> the Blue Jays then get a two-year option for $21 million. And if they decline that, it's over? Or does he go then back? he's a free agent. Then, then he's over. a free agent. Okay. I thought, I thought, does he get like a, another another sweetheart one-year deal of some kind? Yeah, I, I put out a tweet. It was sort of a decision tree so people could follow it visually. <laughs> Did surprisingly well. I thought it was just going to be silly, but people seem to like it. But it's an interesting bit of game theory that, that goes into option pickup decision-making. Yeah. So if the Blue Jays think he's lights out, and they want to play, you know, big money for a big time reliever, they can do it. Yeah. So I don't think there's any world where the Blue Jays will pick up his three year, $27 million option. I don't I just, either. It's the worst for the Jays. It's the worst of the three outcomes. Why would you give a pitcher three years of 27 million when you can get him for two years at 21? Yeah. A reliever, a 35 year old reliever. It's not like we're talking about a 26 year old, you know, where you want to have the guy cheaper and longer. We're talking about a 35-year-old reliever who's coming off surgery. <laughs> so even so, if he comes back and looks like Chad Green, it still seems like a, the worst choice. I think it's the second decision that's the real kicker for him. Do I, do I take the $6.5 million for one year, bet on myself, or do I turn it down and hope that the team is betting on me for two years and 20... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this will entirely depend on how good he is. Because if he comes back and is the same Chad Green he's been for the past six years, he probably declines that option and gets more than that in free agency. But then the Jays would pick up his two-year $21 million club option. But if he just comes back and he's fine, but not great, he probably would have to pick it up. So it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I just uh, To me, he's either going to be making $6.25 million in 2024 or as part of a two-year $21 million deal, if he's still in a Blue Jays uniform. I just I just can't see why they would take the first deal. It is weird. Like I, I'm curious as to how the negotiations got to that specific point. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody had to have pitched something. <laughs> and, and then the other side went, well, well, what if we did this? Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, because that's going to totally happen. <laughs> And then there, of course, there are escalators in the contracts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Money. I mean, you got you to gotta get credit for the work you do. Yeah. The uh, option did, it, prices increase. They, they go higher based on his appearances in 2023. It, he's, the, the minimum threshold is 40. I can't see any way that he gets to 40 appearances in 2023. When he, he's when recovering he, from Tommy see, John surgery. He's recovering from Tommy John. He's going to show up maybe in June, possibly July. Yeah. They have to work him to the bone. <laughs> <to get 40>. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, I mean, maybe maybe he's a hard worker. Maybe he's uh he's trying to count appearances at his other job. <laughs> 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 
He's he's going to be an Uber driver. They're going to pick up how many how many appearances he makes in an Uber, and then also how many he makes on the mound. Uh, and if that adds up to forty, he gets a bonus. Any other wrinkles in the uh, contract that I missed? No, that's that isn't that enough. <laughs> it is enough, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's. Uh, I was already surprised at the at the third option thing. Oh, all right. Let's talk about the World Baseball Classic, which. Its purpose, I think, is to spread the the love and joy of baseball the world over. Is that is that the purpose of the World Baseball Classic? I guess. Is it working? <laughs> um, I think it is actually. I think that we are seeing baseball being played in a few more places at a higher level than we were previously. So yes, I think it is working. I just think it would work better if there was. A, I don't even know how to make it so that there would be a better commitment from the players to play because the timing is just always going to be bad. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what to do there. Yeah. I I don't want to get into all the alternative theories about how you might run the world baseball classic. Uh, Let's just talk about uh, who is a friendly, familiar face. Well, okay. Let's talk about the Canada roster. You talk about the Canada roster. I will, sit over, I will sit over here in the corner <laughs> and cry. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, so the catcher, Bo Naylor, is, is probably going to be the starter. He's a prospect for the Guardians. Uh, his brother, Josh, was supposed to play, but didn't. So the infielders, tell me how many of these players you know. Freddie Freeman. Yes. I'm sure you know him. Superstar. Yeah. Okay. Edouard Julien. Mm, no. Abraham Toro. Maybe. America, Jared the, Young? Uh, no. Damiano Palmagiani. Yeah, you're just making names up now, but okay, no. And Otto Lopez, who you know. Because yeah, I know Otto. He's a Blue Jay. I didn't Otto know he's Canadian. actually a Blue Jay's prospect. Oh, okay. Okay. Now the outfield. Owen Casey. Sure. Denzel Clark. Mm, no. Jacob Robson. Mm, also no. <laughs> and Tyler O'Neill. Sounds familiar, but it's probably some other guy whose name is Tyler. No, it's probably that one. He's actually pretty good. He's a really okay. good player for the Cardinals. That's the lineup. <laughs> it's bad. Can you hear me shaking my head? Is I can, that I can visualize on the podcast? <laughs> well, and if you look at the pitchers, Andrew Albers, Filippo Mon, John Axford, Adam Lowen, these guys are all retired. <laughs> They're on the, the Canada roster. Getting the band back together, boys. There are some good players on there, major leaguers. There's Matt Brash, the reliever, the power reliever for the Mariners. Uh, Nick Pavetta, starter for the Red Sox. Cal Quantrill for the Guardians. But it's still missing a lot of key Canadian players. And they just decided not to play for some for insurance reasons, some for new team reasons. But regardless, this is a very bad Team Canada roster. So the alternative strategy is to pick your favorite Blue Jay who might be playing in the World Baseball Classic and cheer for their team. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of teams you can cheer for. I mean, there Obviously. are two Blue Jays I just listed there. Yes. But, uh, they are not my favorite Blue Jays. It's not going to last long. Yeah, I, I, no. I cannot claim they're my favorite Blue Jays. Jordan Sorry, Romano was supposed to play for Team Italy, but he decided not to. So that that one's out. Alejandro Kirk, is uh, he's going to be the catcher for Team Mexico. That sounds pretty cool. I feel like I can yeah, get so on board when, with the Team Mexico victory. 
yeah, well, they'll be probably the one advancing over Team Canada. So that game should be interesting. I will not be rooting for Kirk in that one. Team Puerto Rico has Jose Barrios. Yeah. The Dominican Republic has Vladdy and Yumi Garcia. That's where I'm at. I got. I got to be honest. That I'm. I'm at. I'm at Dominican Republic. Field. Yeah, I mean that's the best one. And there's a couple prospects that are playing for other teams like Spencer Horowitz for Israel, Georgiani Casimiri for the Netherlands. It, there's just a few guys like that. But it's this some of the stars. The best one is obviously on the Dominican Republic, and he's Canadian, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's where he was born. Ergo, he is Canadian. Um, I, I wonder if, if the WBC comes around again, if Vlad will play for team Canada, because some guys do that have done that specific thing, played for one team, you know, for their father and one team for some other, you know, part of their family on a, on a different go round, which is weird, I, but it's fun. I think team Canada may have had a shot if they had taken Vlad last time when he was a 19 year old or 18 year old prospect. They were filled with guys like their this current roster. Why not take the famous slugging prospect to try to build the relationship? I don't know why they didn't do that. And now he's playing for the Dominican. He might have played for the Dominican anyway, but it made it more likely that he would by not giving him that shot then. Come on. Team Canada has a first baseman anyway. That's true. They're only really good player. <laughs> you have to put Vlad back at third. Um, Actually, yeah, may, be worth it. May all the players in the World Baseball Classic remain healthy. And I'm, you know, I am thankful that Jordan Romano is not throwing 100 miles an hour for Team Italy for nothing and then potentially something going wrong. So, yay, staying that in spring training That would annoy me too that Jordan Romano was going to play for Team Italy instead of Team. And I didn't annoy me, but like, it's like, yeah. okay, we've got one of the best relievers in the game is Canadian. And he's like, I'm going to play for Team Italy. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the old, I really want to play for my country. Oh, good. Italy. What? <laughs> <laughs> Did you? I misunderstood something. Let's start over. All right. Um, that is the World Baseball Classic, which uh, the final is nine days before the end of spring training. So everybody hold on to your hats. Uh, your You can get your World Baseball Classic merchandise hats at... No, I'm, I'm not going to show for the World Baseball Classic merchandise i am going to show for your questions uh which we have a couple and we are going to come back with one from patreon and one from the email and we'll check twitter one more time before uh before the end of this break see you in a minute is where i bank back at home i make bills of brown for my sound in the state's green like the grass in the ground when i'm in england they pass me pounds now i clock cash in every town so i slide and we have returned from our respite uh joshua and i have uh, asked for your questions and we have received two of them this week in the depths of winter. We shall answer them thusly. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Yeah, you know, you... maybe our listeners didn't ask a lot of questions this week because we start that off saying it seems silly to hear from them. <laughs> It has never discouraged them in the three odd years we've been doing it with that stinger. So I don't think it started this week. <laughs> uh, people can have a do have a hotline if you are a Patreon. You uh, you can you can directly message us right off of the Patreon page, as I just discovered now. Um, what do we have, Josh? All right, so uh, well, let's start with that question. So this one came in from Kevin. There's no last name. 
listed. I don't assume that Kevin doesn't have one. There's only one Kevin, really, who counts. It's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the question. How do you see the outfield flexibility playing at away games? For example, does Varsho move around the outfield depending on the park dimensions, or do you see him mostly in left? Craig? Um, I can see him moving around, sure. Uh, I, the Jays now play every team at least once with the new schedule, correct? Yep. So do you think a place like um, if they end up in San Francisco, I haven't looked at the schedule, but if they end up playing the Giants in San Francisco, do you think it's, uh, I, I think George Springer in left and, and uh, Varsho in, in right makes sense to me, but I'm not a major league manager. Um, Josh? Yeah, so uh, it, it would make sense because right field in that park is enormous. <laughs> you could say the same thing for Boston, actually, but not to the same degree. But I don't think they'll do that. I think that George Springer will be the right fielder full stop. I don't I don't think they're going to move him to left field. I don't think he's ever played left field. He's either been a center fielder or a right fielder. I do think that they might use games like that to maybe give Springer a day at DH once or twice in the series and throw Merrifield or something into left field so they can move Varsho into right to take advantage of the, uh, the his range and, the, and his ability to track balls down. Yeah, George Springer has zero games at left field in the major leagues. All right, so your plan makes more sense. The principle, though, of getting Varsho into the, the big left fields or out of a tiny, sorry, the big right fields or out of a tiny left field, uh, we agree with. Oh, sorry, he has three innings. <laughs> he played left field for three innings in his career. How many chances? Uh, Is it on there? Question. He got zero. <laughs> he did a great job. <laughs> zero balls went to him. <laughs> same same number of chances in as a major league left fielder as me. There you go. Uh, question number two from Deco Cuff. Uh, how do you see the outfield flexibility play? Play. No, that's no. I just no, read that you, one out. Yeah. So I don't have the one from Deco. So that's I'll why I'm confused. <laughs> I'm, I'm so out of my element, Josh. I always read the questions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So Deco Cuff emailed a question, which said, hypothetically, which lineup would score more runs in the upcoming 2023 season? Lineup A, which is last year's. Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Hernandez, Kirk, Gurriel, Chapman, Jansen, and Merrifield. Or lineup B, which is this year's. Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Kirk, Varsho, Chapman, Belt, Merrifield, Kiermaier. And he basically, the question was about how important it was to balance the lineup by getting the more left-handed batters. Um, I guess I'll, I'll answer this one first. I think that if this lineup stays healthy, lineup the current Blue Jays lineup probably will score more runs than last year's lineup just because, one, they have the, the balance that you talked about, which, which, as you alluded to in the depths of the question, you asked me not to read the whole thing because it's very long. <laughs> uh, you know, the pitchers can't just get into a groove and muscle memory attack the same spot of the plate the entire time. But also, there's different elements of being able to take advantage of park differentials by having some left-handed power from Varsho and Belt. And then... Specifically from Belt, by letting Kirk and Jansen rest more, which should keep, especially Kirk, stronger towards the end of the season where he really faded last year in his first full season. But if they don't stay healthy, the depth is not great. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> tough um, to answer. They need another outfielder. I would, I guess I would add one thing to that would be the lineup in and of itself is, is the thing that starts the game, but the bench options should be better when trying to mix and match late in the game to be able to bring in uh, whoever is, is there, like Belt, um, is much more of a threat than a lot of, like, to me, the Jays are famous for having a lousy hitter bench. They might have great defensive replacements, but the number of times there's been nobody to pinch hit in the past, God, 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the Jays still sort of don't have a great pinch hitting bench if Belt is starting. And it seems like he's going to be the regular DH for the most part. Uh, maybe against tough lefties, he's your lefty power bat off the bench. But if they, this is why I think they need to get another right-handed hitting outfielder. Because the only guy you're really going to hit for unless they bring in like a really tough lefty is Kiermaier. Mm -hmm. And, but then you're say, say this lineup that he threw out there is the lineup. Then your bench options are Biggio. Well, you're not using him. Espinal. I guess you could, or Jansen and the Jays don't really like pinch hitting their second catcher. So I think they still need one more right-handed bat against right-handed pitchers. They're definitely really nicely set up. I I I wonder with Varsho as a permanent fixture on the roster if their their hesitance to put Jansen in as a pinch hitter will will wane somewhat. That's a good point because he can move into catch if something happened. Yeah, I mean they, it's it's the first time this team has not needed to waste a roster spot on a third catcher or have an emergency catcher situation. It's a really crazy bit of flexibility. Yeah, that that's the questions. I hope you enjoyed your answers. Uh, They're good questions. Yeah. It made you think. Uh, now, hopefully, we'll make you laugh at some point in here. First of all... I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Uh, from Razball on Twitter, at Razball. Rich Hill has now talked about how MLB used different balls more than The Athletic or anyone, for that matter, besides the original report from The Insider. This is a quote from Rich Hill, which I think is just the middle paragraph. You can go to Razzball and read the rest of it. <clears throat> His request, make one consistent effing baseball. I don't care. I don't care if it's a ping pong ball, a golf ball, a super ball, or whatever. Just make it consistent. Keep it consistent for the entire year and let the players... No. How about that? Hey, guys, we're going to change the ball this year. We're going to use a bit of a softer ball. We're going to use a harder ball. We're going to use a disco ball. We're going to change it up and try and see what happens. <laughs> but I, I'm detecting that Rich Hill might have been disappointed about how the ball changes have been handled for quite a while. Yeah, well, so you only read the, the more interesting paragraph. <laughs> he was asked directly if what he thinks of the ball this coming is going to be like this coming season he said i fully expect it to be different apparently we used three different baseballs last year and they started getting into extreme sarcasm <laughs> yeah so it, it always keeps it fresh keeps it fun keeps it you guessing you never know but hey look it's just a player's career it's not a big deal <laughs> and then he got pissed and started ranting <laughs> <laughs> well who can blame him i mean you you think about what what a scandal having the ball inflated slightly differently uh, in football set off, right? Which, again, was yeah. the thing that was unbelievable to me at the time, that nobody checked that stuff. Well, no, that, that, that the teams themselves were entrusted with the maintenance of the ball. 
Yeah, that's kind of nuts when you think about it. Yeah. But this is the money line. He finishes the whole thing off. I just don't see why a hockey puck is a hockey puck, a football is a football, a basketball is a basketball, and a baseball could be anything. Why do we do this? It's a great question. It is an awesome question. Uh, the answer apparently last year, if you have read it, and I think we mentioned on the podcast before, is you needed Aaron Judge to set some kind of home run record. That's just to one create of... more controversy, right? Like, oh, yeah. it was a real home run king. Baseball just can't get out of its own way, can it? <laughs> nope. <laughs> thank you, Rob Manfred. You've provided us so much podcast material over the years. And thank you, Rich Hill. You can have a shiny gold star if you want to come down to the office and pick it up. If you don't want a shiny gold star, you get one of our classic do-overs. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was. Mark Bowman's picture on Twitter at MLB Bowman looks as if his chin has completely just just been absorbed by his neck. But that's not why he gets a do-over. <laughs> you pointed it out to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> you pointed is, it out. This oh, is a so very silly do-over. Yeah, we need a little silliness so, in our lives. So Mike Soroka is a Canadian pitcher who plays for the Atlanta Braves who hasn't played the last couple of years because of health issues, but he was really good when he, in his rookie year. Has said, well, he's no longer Mike. He said he wants to go by Michael Soroka, which is fine. So Mark Bowman tweeted this out. Soroka said he now wants to go by Michael. This is truly a drop the mic moment. This is like, I, I see that, how do you do fellow kids <laughs> gif in my head? Mark, it's a mic drop. Not a drop the mic moment. <laughs> yeah. Mic drop. You had it right there sitting for you. You tried to be all clever and you did it wrong. You, Yeah. It's like, how long did you wait before you hit send tweet? Go ahead. Tell me. Tell me how long you waited. Don't lie. <laughs> how many times did you read it over? Yeah. I'm sure there are people who are going to say a mic, mic drop and drop, drop. Yeah. No, it's got to be a mic drop. Can't it's be a, a drop, drop the mic. It's the only term. But anyway, it's all funny. It's all fun. Like it, you are so close to being clever, Mark. <laughs> so your do-over just change yeah. the words a little bit, and then you're gold. The do-over is hit that edit button that Elon put in the tweets for us. Oh, 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 never mind. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad we can still have fun around here, right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's what it's all about. I I I feel the, the pitchers and catchers coming back the, the on the horizon. We are only but a, but a few days away from the whole thing starting over again. I, I would say as my final thought, I feel just sort of a kind of of nostalgia for it, divorced from the current state of baseball or the team or the world, anything else. There is something about those first still pictures from spring training. Of, of a bunch of guys doing stretches on green grass under the Florida sky that makes me feel a whole lot younger. And and for the first little bit, that's all baseball is about for me. And I, yeah, I'm just thinking about how much I appreciate having that to look forward to. Your final thought, if you still have Yeah, it. I mean, I was going to go with something very similar to that. I, I totally agree with everything you just said. <laughs> So, so instead, I'll go a completely different direction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it was just announced right before we started this that the Astros had uh, extended Christian Javier for five years, $66 million or so. We talked about Bobachet's extension earlier, how it took him just to arbitration. Last year, they had the two-year deal with Matt Chapman, took him just to the end of arbitration. I really would like to see the Jays get one of these guys to stick around for the long haul. <laughs> Every other team seems to be announcing these things constantly. Why can't the Blue Jays do it? <laughs> I don't care yeah. if you can't get Vlad to do it right now because he's grown up rich too. Alec Manoa, Matt Chapman, Alejandro Kirk, Danny Jansen. I don't care. Just pick one and keep him around. It doesn't matter if it turns out to be a good or bad decision in the long run. Just show that you understand the concept. Yeah. I mean, the Braves have signed their entire homegrown roster to extensions. Yeah, some of them I don't really understand, but they've done it. They've just decided this is going to be our team for the next six years. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a philosophy. We'll see if it works out. Uh, you know, good old AA out there in uh, in baseball land in Georgia may be on to something. Well, then Dana Brown, who was working under Anthopolis in Toronto and then in Atlanta, is now the new GM of the Astros. Hmm. Hmm. I don't have anything else to say about that. What I do have to say is that uh, you have been Josh Housem and Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and this has been episode number 257 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we will talk at you in the next couple weeks. <laughs>